Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that now space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. I am white and I got everything I need. No one clutches the purses when they're in a room along with me. And I can drive through any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I've got everything I need. I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree. I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me. I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee. Like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I'm a pile of broken mirrors and I'm walking under ladders And I'm feeling tons of salt, but to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation The best things to have if you live in this nation Recommend it highly Yes, I recommend it highly So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Alright everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree We do the show live every Wednesday at 7pm Pacific That's Pacific time Oh man, I suck at this Anyway, shout out to River Black for coming in last night And giving us a live rendition of the theme song for this show that's American Tune by the Panhandlers Union, and I'll be running that at the beginning of the show for the next couple of weeks just so everybody can check it out and don't uh, sleep on the local love podcast. We had a great time interviewing River last night. Anyway, I'm Producer Dave, and you can find me many places, uh, Port 87 and Grinder. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't have any sound from HK. <laughs> this is live everybody in case you didn't notice the show is in fact live <laughs> i can vamp for a minute uh we port, so uh you can find me on port 87 at dave that's port 87.social uh you can find hk perrin there at uh at h perrin um how about it, now yeah i can hear you now <laughs> okay cool <laughs> Uh, I had the wrong thing plugged in in my patch bay. <laughs> These things I'm do HP, happen. I'm HK Perrin, and you can find me at port87.social, at hperrin. Sorry, I'm missing the K on there. Uh, and you can also find me on twitch.tv at sylphweed, 
which is my name in the chat. So if you're talking to someone named Silfweed in the chat, that's me. Fantastic. Fantastic. What'd you think of that uh, live rendition of uh, our theme song? That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. It was a really, really nice of River to do that for us because that's like that's like one of their like <clears throat> that's like one of their songs they always play, and he like probably didn't want to play it yet again. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, oh my 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 chat would probably absolutely love it if they could hear this tomorrow <laughs> night. So anyway, um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have some content this evening, and. Uh, it, <laughs> The best part of the show's over, the live rendition of uh, American Tune. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> this is, uh, we'll skip the intro part here because the intro on these is just uh, a clip from the, the show. This is Dave Rubin speaking with Michael Shermer about why smart people believe in conspiracy theories. That rubric. <laughs> yeah, and I really liked how you did that. So as you said, there there's sort of three sections to the book, a prologue that leads into it, but, th but then each one sort of leads into the next one. So I want to get into some of that, but broadly speaking, uh, one of the questions I get the most these days, if I do a public event or if I'm doing a Q and A online or whatever, is people say to me, where do you get your news? How do you know what to believe? And I find- <laughs> well, I would never ask Dave Rubin that. more difficult to answer that. <laughs> I, you know, we're all going into our little ideological echo chambers. I do my best to, to not be in there all the oh, time. Oh, get the fuck out of here. It's getting tough for everybody. And as I often say, if you're watching MSNBC, you basically live in a different world as the Fox News person. And right. I think everyone right now- I do agree with that. With yes. I don't think that people should consume too much of either of those. It used to be that the news wasn't a 24-hour panic attack. <laughs> so, I think if you have to choose one of them, you should choose MSNBC. But like Dave said, you shouldn't choose just one. Like You should get your news from a variety of sources, preferably like- a big national well-known news outlet, something like USA Today. So the, the book for that reason feels very relevant because I think everyone's going through some version of a conspiracy theory to some extent. Yeah, well, so here's one solution. That, uh, why do these people always have such shitty audio? Papers every day. I get the New York <laughs> Times or say the New York Times. Oh, where's my Wall Street? And why does he have a gaming chair? Okay, I got my Wall Street Journal. Oh, here. <laughs> yes, and the Wall the, Street Journal. The there same chair as me. And, and why is why is he showing off that nobody buys his book? I don't understand. I get the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, in my estimation, he bought that chair at Staples. By the way, this is Staples in-house brand emerge. Really off the deep end, as you know, you know uh, Barry Weiss. They were they were so out of control that Barry. Weiss as a liberal felt she couldn't even yeah. stay there anymore. Yeah. So Barry I'm Weiss, sure that Staples in-house ba brand. Whatever, Barry, we're talking about the thing on the screen. Barry Weiss um, <clears throat> left the New York Times and lied about why she left. She claimed that she was harassed in the company's Slack. You know how we know she lied? The outgoing CEO of New York Times, he, it just happens that he quit uh, as the CEO around the same time she quit. He went on Peter Kafka's show, Recode, and said that they l scoured the Slack and asked her for examples of her being harassed in Slack. And they couldn't find any of it. She had even claimed some of the harassment was anti-Semitic in nature. And he was like, I, we couldn't find it. She hasn't presented any evidence. You notice on Twitter, she didn't say anything about it. She didn't give any screenshots or say who was doing it. She's like, he, he was like, there are a lot of people there that don't get along, didn't get along with her, but that's different than harassment and anti-Semitism in our Slack, which we wouldn't tolerate. So yeah. she quit because she knew that she could grift better if she was like on Substack or whatever. That's why she quit. 
She didn't quit because it was Do you think crazy. that's why? I think so, yeah. Okay. Or she quit because people were dunking on her on Twitter all the time, which is not that's an official... That's probably what I, would, what I would guess. And I mean, I know it's, it's really... Every time I log into Twitter, I'm like, is this the New York Times Slack channel? <laughs> so when you pick up the New York Times, are you basically going, all right, they screwed this one up. Ah, that's a deflection. This is a confusion, et cetera, um, et cetera. I, well, the Wall Street Journal, you know, separating the opinion section from the news section, uh, you know, they're both biased in each direction that we all know about. And that's true for any of the news sources you might want to name. You have to separate the, like just even Fox News, if you just take the day, the daytime news reporters, they're very different from the evening mm-hmm. or like entertainers. So I think if you know what you're looking at, but but my point is you, you can't rely on any one source. You, you have to go to multiple sources, including online sources and just evaluate them. And there are sites that evaluate the uh, bias, liberal or c- conservative bias of different uh, media sources. And you just have to do that. Uh, you know, and NPR, I don't trust so much anymore. AP, Associated Press, I, I feel is fairly objective about how they present things. No one's completely unbiased, of course, but some multiple sources. I mean, and that now there's so many online, really, you just have to kind of do a little bit of your own fact checking. And if yeah. you can do, yeah. Well, is, isn't that almost one of the, the biggest problems we have in, in this technological adolescence that we're in, that the average person, that even if they want to stay informed on current events, what's going on in the world, the economy, whatever it might be, they don't have the time to, to right. go, okay, I'm going to read the Times and the Wall Street Journal, and I'll see what they're saying on Fox and MSNBC. And then they just kind of put their hands up. And they and they check out. I think I think we're getting a lot of that actually. So the the subtitle of the book, why the rational believe the irrational. My point is that uh, people that believe conspiracy theories are not tinfoil hat uh, idiots. They're, they're me and you. Everybody surveys show everybody believes at least one conspiracy theory, and one reason for that is my constructive conspiracism. A lot of them are true. <laughs> so right, but the, <clears throat> the 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 idea the conspiracy that once it's true, it's just a conspiracy. Well, I would say it's still a conspiracy theory, but there's a big difference between like being a conspiracy theorist and, you know, believing that a well-documented conspiracy is true or that even a not very well-documented conspiracy might be possible. Yeah. Like some but people are conspiring to do evil shit right now as we fucking sit here. Yep. There is no shortage of people conspiring to do evil shit to fuck you over. It's just that <clears throat> conspiracy theories i think the the the, def- the defining thing and Shermer's ne- not going to touch on this it's like he doesn't understand the the thing about them is the community part that's the problem that's what the internet brought us is the sort of almost cult-like behavior in some of these conspiracy communities where you show up you say oh i just woke up i just learned about this thing and then you get kind of love bombed like you do in a cult where the conspiracy theorists are like oh now you're awake and aware and that's the fucking thing that that's the thing that like sucks people in i think more than just the oh, I know something you don't know because everybody everybody thinks they know something somebody else doesn't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely like people who, especially people who are in a a situation like a bad situation where they could use that kind of community support. They're so uh, like susceptible to that conspiracy thinking, and the conspiracy theorists will just prey on that when they're trying to recruit more conspiracy theorists yeah and i mean you know the people's families like sometimes ostracize them when they start going down the rabbit hole but like 
I don't know, like at some point, what else can you do? You know what I'm saying? If like your uncle always is talking about QAnon or the chemtrails or whatever, you just stop inviting that uncle because, you know, maybe one of your, maybe one of your other family members is like an airline mechanic and they're like, that's stupid. And you just don't <laughs> want to deal with that shit. And the airline mechanic isn't like popping off at the mouth at the dinner table, you know? Yeah. Like essentially there is nothing you can do other than to ostracize them. So that is the best right. it pay, it solution. Be a little constructively paranoid, uh, just in case. But uh, so for most, for the most part, most people are rational about their daily lives. You know, they they get the kids off to school, they hold jobs. You know, they keep uh, gas in the tank and food in the fridge, and they have a social life, and they're just normal. Uh, about things that they could do something about. Now, if you take some of the big conspiracy theories, like the rigged election, say of twenty twenty. I, how would I check that to know what's going on? I, you have to rely on sources that have the resources and access to check, fact check things like that. I wouldn't even know who to call in Ohio mm -hmm. or Georgia or Arizona to ask, you know, what about that truck that pulled up at three in the morning? Because that grainy video was kind of suspicious. You know? But the idea that he's personally going to call someone to ask about the dumb way, like, what the fuck is he talking about? You know? <laughs> Like I know what he's also trying. like you don't need to fact check something that has no evidence. Like just ask for the evidence, and that's fact checking enough, right? Right. But the thing is, like, like I think the truck incident he's talking about it was like some truck pulled into a, a voting center. Well, that's the truck pulled into the voting center. But so what? Like, wh what was in the truck? Maybe votes. Maybe other things they need there. Maybe the voting center is no longer going to be the voting center in two days and the truck pulled in with equipment for whoever's running it next. Who knows? Uh, I do believe that since ballots are physical objects that exist in the world, they do need to be transported generally on wheels. Right. You could, you could walk it to the ballot box, but trying to walk the ballot box, trying to walk all the ballot boxes to the voting center is a bad idea. Yep. Here we rely on people that we should trust, and we have traditionally, maybe not so much anymore. But for me, it, uh, whatever questions I had were put to rest when uh, Attorney General Bill Barr said, well, you know, we had the entire resources of the Department of Justice, and we looked into it, and we looked here, and we checked that, and so on and so forth, and didn't find anything. It's like, okay, well, end of story, as far as I was concerned. Now, it's right. not what, what, do you say, what do you say to the people that will go, well, Bill Barr is just part of the machine that would produce that yeah. sort of lie? Because that, of course... Because, okay, what you say to them is that, well, now you've just made the conspiracy bigger by one person. <laughs> now, you know what I'm saying? That's It's like the fallback of the conspiracists is that as soon as like the information is presented that counters their narrative, all of a sudden the the source of that information is in on it. Mm -hmm. It's super easy. It's super. You just wave. You just wave it away that way. <laughs> As you know, you're the expert in this. I mean, conspiracies they jump from one sort of dead, seeming dead end to a new place, and then a new place, and a new place, and a new. Place. So what do you say? Well, what I say is, well, then who who do you trust? What is your source? You know, if you don't trust the entire Department of Justice, if you don't trust the Trump appointed uh, uh, Attorney General, or all the uh, Trump appointed judges in the uh, cases that he brought before the courts and so on, uh, who would you trust? And why would you trust somebody else if not them? 
I like I, I like quoting uh, Christopher Hitchens when he says, which he got from somebody else, which was that if you hear the Pope say he believes in God today, you think, well, the Pope's doing his job again today. It's what he's supposed <laughs> to do. But if you hear the Pope say, you know, I'm having, beginning to have some doubts about God's existence, you think, huh, he might be onto something, right? So when somebody on your team or somebody you trust says something uh, that you can pretty much count on, if Bill Barr said, hey, I, I you know, I found some suspicion, I'm, well, of course, he's a Trump appointee Republican. Maybe we need another source. But if he says, if he would be motivated to find fraud and he didn't, then I, uh, uh, to me, that ups the probability that there was no fraud in the election. That's just kind of how to think about that kind of conspiracy theory. Right. So since we're talking about the election, and I do think so much of what we now talk about related to fake news and this confusion has to do with the election. What would you say about the, the four years that Trump was president when basically half of the media or all of the mainstream media, in essence, was saying either he was a Russian plant or that that election was illegitimate or stolen. And then the second those people were on the other side, now we have Biden as president. They say they didn't say the election was stolen. Yeah, they said the election was influenced, which right. is a very different thing than stolen. And like all of the votes were actually votes. Right. And like no one was saying otherwise. And not for nothing, the, you know, countries engaging in propaganda campaigns to meddle with the politics of other countries very much predates the Internet. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's not even really a conspiracy. Like we we definitely know that that happens. I mean, yes, it's a conspiracy, but it's, you know, it's like you were saying when it when it's proven true, it goes from conspiracy theory to just plain conspiracy. Right. Uh, well, that was pretty conclusively proven that Russia did meddle in the election, whether they had a big influence, we can't prove. So, right. You know, no one knows. And the other thing, the media was just reporting on what the investigation was finding mostly there were people that went fucking off the hook like fucking rachel maddow just like threw her career away essentially with russia 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 like her her show got so bad but she's like the only one i can think of off the top of my head because otherwise it was just reporting on what was being leaked from the investigation and yeah. so they're just reporting on what the people doing the investigation were saying. Was it overhyped? Absolutely. But that's, you know, that's what happens when you have three 24 hour panic attack news channels. I mean, what, you know, they got to <laughs> fill the time somehow. Question anything. And you're going to be booted off Twitter and YouTube and everywhere else if you do. That's pretty predictable. Everybody does that. If you go back in time, decades, pretty much every losing side in a presidential election or even uh, congressional races and senatorial races, the the losing side thinks the other side did something. There was some shenanigans. There was some, and then they usually drop it after a few months and focus on the next election or whatever. So what's unusual this time is that you know Trump continues with the conspiracy theory, but that's it, but let's not blame Republicans because de Democrats do this also. Mm -hmm. It's pretty common because, again, you know, there's so it's so complex. There's so many moving parts. Do Democrats uh, do that, though? Election. Like, when's the last time the Democrats tried to overthrow the government? Yeah, it's, it's a false. He's, they're just doing a false equivalence here. Like covering yeah. covering the Mueller investigation is not the same as going around everywhere and saying the election was fraudulent. Yeah. Even uh, over covering the Mueller investigation is not the same <laughs> thing as going around telling everybody the election was fraudulent. Yep. 
no one has access to all the information. So, you know, there's always going to be some anomalies, you know, and then people go anomaly hunting, as we call it. And then you can always mm-hmm. find them no matter what. Uh, again, that blurry video of the truck that pulled up at three. What is that? You know, OK, he had a box. OK, you know, there's always something like that. So we have to. Uh, so part of the problem is the lack of trust. We've always had trust in our systems that for the most part, they work pretty well. And, uh, yeah, so that's, but again, like with Trump, you know, I've been pretty critical of Trump, particularly since the, you know, that in that last year, but pretty much everything else he did was pretty standard Republican stuff, you know, always lowering taxes. He's helping rich people get richer. He's tightening up the borders, foreign policy and so on. It's like, that's his job. Like the Pope, that's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's only when, like when uh, George HW Bush said, you know, read my lips, no new taxes. Then he raised taxes. Like what? You're a Republican. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Um, I would say, you know, there were a few times in, in Trump's presidency where he did things that were very much out of character for any president. Right. Like uh, when, like when, <laughs> like violating the emoluments clause, constantly and in public or i'm thinking about like during covid when he was like up on uh stage telling everybody that hydroxychloroquine worked even though like all of his (laughs) science advisors were probably telling him that it doesn't work and that there's no or that not that it doesn't work that there's no evidence for the claim that it works so uh yeah there there were if like if he doesn't see it then he's just you know high on his own supply of enlightened centrism and the other thing is again and i think we've said this about Shermer. at least i've had i've said it about Shermer. the he's like almost like locked in like the new atheism like phase of thinking about conspiracy theories right it's like pre pre QAnon, pre pizzagate even before the golden age of chemtrails happened right like his understanding of conspiracy theories is almost 20 years old it seems like it seems like he hasn't kind of kept an eye on what the what these conspiracy movements are doing since i don't know 2004 or something it's just a very kind of antiquated like guy in a tinfoil hat on the street corner version of conspiracism and that's it it's not what it is anymore it's fucking big business is what it is stations and trump you know deregulation of the economy that was pretty standard republican stuff uh and and biden's doing what democrats do right i mean so you know, it's it's not fair to criticize either one as being extremist when most of the policies they're doing is pretty standard. What do you think? You I would entirely disagree. Trust. Trump is an extremist. Yeah, his rhetoric was just very extreme, whereas Biden's rhetoric yeah. tends to be fairly uh, fairly milk toast. Like even some of his policies were extremist, but I wouldn't say that like all of his policies were extremist. But that's not what it means to be an extremist, right? Right. You you can do just one or two things and <laughs> that pins you as an extremist. Yeah. What do you think we can do or not? We, I suppose, the, the whatever mainstream institutions that still exist at this point, and it's hard to tell to what degree they exist anymore. Who's watching these things? How much influence do they have? How could they gain back trust? I, I think in most cases, if you were to take, say, the New York Times or CNN, I don't think there's a way back now. I, I think they've gone so all in on so much confusion and been so exposed as partisan players that I don't know that they can come back from that. And maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. Uh, well, okay. So, but, but I'd say Fox News is, is, has the same problem. You know, they've kind of uh, dialed into a business model of, you know, ramping up the extremism on their side. 
uh, I don't know. You know, the Russia, you mentioned, you know, Russian gate and all that stuff, all those accusations against Trump, you know, most of which did not pan out. Those were conspiracy theories. You know, we think this happened and it turned out the Mueller report and so on. Oh, well, okay. That was kind of a nothing burger. That doesn't help. Right. But it wasn't right, nothing right. at the end. Mueller, we, I think we talked about this last week <clears throat> where Mueller kicked it over to Congress and was like, we can't indict a sitting president. Yeah, and there are also like 38 indictments of other people or right. something. It wasn't nothing. It's just that if it was like either the president gets perp walked, like Mueller goes into the White House by himself and goes in and like wrestles Donald away from Ivanka and fucking put, like, puts him in <laughs> handcuffs and takes him out. The, well, if that's the fucking standard, then yeah, if it was either that or nothing, then I guess, sure, it was nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that if you actually get something, it's like, yeah, well, you cried wolf so many. Yeah, times. there were like ten uh, counts so this, of uh, of obstruction of justice that he was like, go ahead, Congress, it's your job to prosecute him, and Congress was like, nah. I mean, he was impeached twice. Not for that. I know. I see it as an erosion of trust across the board. Scientists used to be trusted. The CDC used to be trusted. Teachers, professors, the academy used to be, you know, high in, uh, in trust. Not anymore. And uh, and why the fuck aren't they now? Whose side is it telling you don't trust the CDC? Yeah, it's like a um, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy, right? Where you you tr you spend you spend a lot of your time in one of your missions, especially the IDW, their big mission was like in and Eric and Brett even say it like specifically that they're against these institutions because and in their case, it's personal grievance because they weren't just handed Nobel prizes. But, <laughs> but like, this is, this is a thing of like the, <clears throat> the conspiracy industrial complex, be it the IDW or Alex Jones or anything in between really has, created this this set of set of circumstances i i trust the cdc yeah i do too they get, I follow their guidelines they get most things right and when they get things wrong they update the recommendations because like like during covid for example everything was like unfolding pretty quickly and nobody had really good information at the beginning and some of the stuff was wrong but then it just got adjusted to the right thing later That's, yeah isn't that what uh, an institution's supposed to do and there's a reason that at the beginning we were all calling it the novel coronavirus because it was new. Yeah, it was brand we new. We didn't know anything about it. All Fertile. we knew was that it was a coronavirus. Fertile ground for conspiracism, yet here's, uh, here's Shermer like playing into the conspiracy. You know, that's a hard problem, you know, but I sign on with Jonathan Rausch's um, The Constitution of Knowledge. I think you had Jonathan on your show. Uh, uh, we've talked briefly once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, but, but this kind of commitment to like in journalism, fact checking in science, peer review uh, in the judicial system, you know, a fair uh, a confrontational uh, trial between two attorneys, you know, to get to the truth and a uh, jury of your peers and so on. So there's you know, here's kind of the conservative argument for maintaining institutions that have been around for decades or centuries. Uh, and the reason we keep them is because they work. We've been tweaking them for centuries, the legal system, the criminal justice system, journalism, really um, maybe a century. I mean, those has, you know, standards, the actually. legal system and the criminal justice system work for some people. Yeah. I mean, they, <clears throat> 
and just to some extent they improve over time right but uh, but that doesn't that would be hard to say i don't know if it's improved fact checking and editors and things like that you know that yeah maybe to some extent yeah and we just have to keep pushing back that is but overall make assertions without any evidence at all. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm guessing, I think you either read, well, you certainly read it or maybe wrote a review of it even uh, in Jordan Peterson's last book, in 12 More Rules, I think the first of the new set of rules, you know, is in essence, you got to be careful when you're burning down institutions because you don't know what will come on the other side. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. We don't trust the old institutions, but we don't know exactly what the new institutions are. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's classic Burkean conservatism. Edmund Burke uh, defended the uh, U.S. Uh, Revolution. Sorry, the the Revolutionary War, but not but not the French Revolution. Uh, and and he was right, you know, because they tore down everything. Let's just start over, all, all the way down to a new calendar system, you know, and and new titles and new days of the week. Everything's going to be different, and that didn't pan out so well. So, uh, and again, you know, certain institutions have been around that have been around for a long time. And They've been tweaked here and there to be more efficient and fair and just and so on. Uh, we should keep the, we should not throw them uh, overthrow them too easily. And so you mentioned you mentioned science before, and as a man of science and a man who likes facts, uh, having been through two years of COVID, and you are in California, which I fled because of COVID <laughs> and and lockdowns and masks and injections, you know, mandated injections, all of these things that I felt had nothing to do with science. None of, none of that is what happened, though. Like, masks were mandated for a little while. When were vaccines ever mandated? I guess, like, <clears throat> if you worked for the government or whatever, they made you get it. But, like, your people have to do shit they don't want to do for their job all the time. Yeah, but he worked for himself. Yeah. And did he no, mandate vaccines in his own business and then run away from California to get away from himself? That's a that's a good question. I don't even know if he's vaccinated or not. I um, I feel like, I feel like what he said though, like the I just I've we've been talking about this for a long time. The idea that there were any lockdowns was just ridiculous. Like I went out every day. I rode my bike every day. If I was locked down, I would have been arrested for riding my bike. Like. <laughs> Like the Gestapo yeah. would have come and fucking got me and shit. That's it. Just wasn't. It's just not true. You weren't not locked down. It was like people were encouraged to stay at home to the extent that they could. The store was still open. You could go to the fucking grocery store. Like, yeah. And I think in or, or virtually nothing to do with science or 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 a abuse of science. Let's say. Um, no isolation works to stop the spread of a respiratory disease. What is this guy talking about? I think the scientific world is right now. I mean, Fauci just in the last couple of days saying, "Oh, I was never for lockdowns," and then it's like we're playing videos on the show where he's calling for lockdowns yeah. a year ago. I know. Remember when he said, "When you criticize me, I am the science." You're criticizing yeah. science. Yeah. So that's it's been a problem for the uh, reputation of science, I guess, because the CDC says one thing and then changes his mind or Fauci says, you know, no mask, the mask, the no mask. Wait, no, 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 no. They didn't change their mind. They changed their recommendations <laughs> when new when new information came in. What do you mean? The CDC just changed its mind. What is it? The Borg? <laughs> like, like, what does that mean? It just decided, you know what? I don't really need that. <laughs> No, yeah, exactly like you said. New information came in, new evidence, and they updated their guidelines to reflect the new evidence. 
Why is that so hard to understand? That's why is it like we don't now believe that we should be bloodletting, right? Right. No one believes that. There's not a single person on earth, I would guess, who actually believes that you should be bloodletting if you have like a cold, right? Right. So why the fuck do people have issue with new evidence leading to new recommendations? Right. That's actually isn't that what the scientific method is supposed to provide us? Yes, that is the feature of the scientific method that makes it so great. Okay, let's just step aside from particular individuals like Fauci and just say in general, if you don't know what's going on, and we didn't, you know, you know, the, what was this, January 2020 to March is when we were kind of uh, realizing, okay, there's something big happening here. What is it? And it took a long time to figure out what's the right thing to do. There's so much uncertainty uh, and so much unpredictability in complex systems like the human body of, you know, why do some people get the virus who double vax boosted, they lead clean, healthy lives, you know, they're isolated, bast, and they get it anyway. And I know people that didn't do anything. <laughs> they didn't change their life at all. Never wore a mask, never got, and they get it. Nothing happens, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, because there's variation. You know, the body's a complex system and people respond differently. And so it's, these are on average. But public policy can't be like boutique healthcare for the individual. Like what the fuck? This is like, this shows like a, just a fundamental, either like possibly purposeful misunderstanding of what public policy is supposed to be it's supposed to it's supposed to provide well, i think that's what he's saying right that Maybe. these are recommendations in general for the average person recommendations and i try to be sympathetic by putting myself in somebody if i was a public policy person if i was the head of a, an, a health institute, or I was the mayor of the city of LA, say, or governor of California, and they stick a microphone in your face and go, okay, what do we do? So here you have kind of a type one, type two error problem, signal detection problem. If I say- But also, if you pause it for a second, none of them ever said, if you follow these guidelines, you will not get COVID. None of them ever said that. The guidelines were to help prevent the spread of covid right and in if the the spread of the disease is mitigated by public health measures you as an individual are less likely to get it but that doesn't make it zero right yeah that's it's it's it's, it's, and all it's or- the same with the vaccine you know the vaccine never claimed to be 100 percent effective against catching the disease right <clears throat> to some extent it prevented the spread but mostly it kept people from going to the hospital no yep. and it was extremely like effective Ebola at that or AIDS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. remember aids was a hundred percent fatal uh, at first what if it turns out like that you know and i really screwed up <laughs> and it's on me so they're more likely to err on the other side like let's let's uh, err on the side of making a type one error assume it's going to be terrible and if it isn't well we got lucky of course, they're not calculating into the equation the effects of lockdown, isolation. There was no lockdown, and it was terrible. A million Americans died. That's yep. terrible. That's uh, that's about one out of every 350 Americans. Masks, school closes, economic effects, and so on, which 
I think we're years away from knowing what the full effects will that will be. So far, it looks like it it has damaged our economy and other things. School kids are behind, and social attitudes about youngsters uh, and how they interact with each other. You know, there's some studies coming out now showing, you know, these kids just coming into college now. I have freshmen myself. You know, they're very different than they were a few years ago. It's hard to say what the cause is, but social isolation during COVID might be one. Anyway, those are the kinds. Wait, I'm curious, though. How are you, how are you seeing that manifested in your students now from, say, super, five years ago? Super quiet, very, very reticent to say anything. There may be, wow. some, there may be some cancel culture effects there. You know, people, because I bring up abortion, like we just did an issue on abortion. So, you know, pro-life, pro-choice. All right, All right. kids, let's talk about it. And they're, and they're you know, they're like, uh uh, hey, uh. <laughs> wow. you know, I mean, that's a pretty like, you- touchy subject for a lot of people. Why is that surprising? And <clears throat> maybe that what's his class supposed to be about? Like, is his like they were like, I thought we were due. I think he teaches a class like on critical thinking or something. Right. And so like they're like, oh, I thought we came in here because the guy who runs Skeptic Magazine was going to teach us a class on critical thinking. And now he's asking us our opinion on abortion. Maybe they're maybe they're like, huh? yeah they might be shocked (laughs) they might be like what the fuck is going on here how can you not have an opinion on and and you're a chapman which is a great defender of free speech i mean one of the few universities that is yeah so here this is reflecting more of a bottom-up kind of cultural shift i think maybe they're just shy i don't know but you know uh, yesterday one of my student ted talks was on uh attractiveness lookism you know why is it that good-looking people get more benefits than than others like all right you gotta have an opinion on this right here's brad pitt that's so unfair (laughs) what are you gonna do about brad pitt you know and they're looking like looking it sounds like this guy uses his class as a soapbox (laughs) are you surprised (laughs) that's why why isn't i mean maybe these things just kind of come up and he's doing other stuff talking about logical fallacies or whatever because you can only like spend so much time talking about formal and informal logical fallacies i guess you got to like use real world examples, but it just seems like, just seems like maybe the kids don't want to talk about this shit with him because that's not what they thought the class was about. And they like, well, we could do, this is actually, we, we take humanities classes, sir. Uh, I don't want to say anything. I'm like, oh, come on, man. So it could be some of that. You know, we do know there's a uptick in uh, depression and cutting suicidal ideation, um, particularly among, amongst girls. You know, is it social media? Is it Facebook? Is it, social isolation during COVID, uh, you know, we, there's different factors. I mean, by Instagram's own study, it's partially them. Right. And again, it's not, it's not one of those things, right? (laughs) It's probably to some extent, all of those things. Yeah. To that. I'm curious how much of this say related to COVID was people that maybe weren't qualified or in some ways were overqualified to give information, giving information. So an example I would huh? use is right when the, the pandemic happened, I had a bunch of experts on people that are fairly well known and they were talking about how to wash your bags when you leave the grocery mm. store and perfectly, you know, put your mask on this way and talking about social distancing, a phrase that no one had really uttered before. And all of these, you know, all of these strange things and lockdowns, which really had never been done before at scale and were based on basically some wonky paper that never meant anything. But everyone- Some wonky paper that never meant anything. It had never been done. Does this guy not know like that these same measures were implemented during the, the, the flu of 19, what was it? 1913. That many of these same measures uh, were- 19, 
eighteen, I think it oh, was. Yeah, yeah. In the early, in the early, like in the early nineteen hundreds, a lot of these same measures yeah. were implemented. It's just there was no internet, and a lot, there weren't a bunch of talking heads telling you that that that, that this was stupid or whatever. Right? Yeah, uh, those same measures also were implemented during MERS and SARS in the earlier two thousands. Maybe not in the United States, but in the places where those things were spreading very rapidly, those measures were taken, and that's why we knew that they were effective. Right. Mm. Then when we find out it doesn't work, everyone just looks at the, the expert class and goes, and I'm not talking about the Fauci's or even the CDC's, I'm just talking about the, the general people who are the tastemakers. I mean, everyone it, it pretty clearly like, does work because the, like, <laughs> there was a study recently about uh, the difference in, in localities that were heavily in favor of Trump versus localities that were heavily in favor of Biden during this time where it correlated very well, like being in a, in a locality that favored Trump correlated very well with not having any, uh, any lockdown measures and also not, uh, not obeying them if, if you did. And the, the death rate in those regions were much higher than the death rate in uh, in regions that were in favor of Biden, where they did have more restrictive measures and they did follow them. Right. For example, Santa Clara County was one of the first to do a stay at uh, stay at home thing. Right. And Santa Clara County actually did pretty well as far as covid yep. versus you know, other counties and even other counties where they did a, a stay at home thing where they waited longer. They didn't, they didn't do, they didn't do as well. Uh, San Francisco, someone in the chat is saying also did very well with COVID and that's a dense fucking place. Yep. So Dave Rubin is just really, really incredibly wrong right here, uh, which is, you know, par for the course for him. That's all terribly. That's <laughs> right. Right. So we're, whenever there's uncertainty about the cause of something, let's say autism, you know, one reason vaccines got associated with autism is because we don't know the cause of autism. We still mm -hmm. don't. Uh, there's probably multiple causes, some genetic predispositions, who knows, you know, in, in, in the womb chemistry. I don't know. You know, we don't know. But so then anything that's even loosely associated then gets uh, 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 affiliated as a causal vector. And I think we see a lot of that in pandemics like this where you just don't know. Remember the, uh, when AIDS first came, came online, I mean, it, it, there was like panic. Oh, you shouldn't go in the swimming pool. I remember when Greg Luganis cut his head on the diving board mm -hmm. and Barbara Walters was you know, doing this private one-on-one inter -on -one interview with him. And he said, talked about this. She's like, oh, my God, Greg, you went in the pool? <laughs> Right, right. Is at the time it's like, oh, I mean, it could spread through water, the air. Don't get on a bus with an AIDS patient. You know, it's a gay disease, all this crazy stuff. There was conspiracy theories about it. The black community that the CIA was up to something uh, with AIDS. And, you know, it, but these are not completely crazy. This is under my rubric of constructive conspiracism. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the, the Tuskegee experiments where they, you know, withheld treatments to, to African-Americans with syphilis. And other shenanigans that the CIA and the FBI have done to infiltrate uh, black activist groups, to to blackmail Martin Luther King Jr. and threaten if he doesn't kill himself, they're going to expose. They made sex tapes of him in hotel rooms with women and said, we're going to play these publicly if you don't kill yourself. This is our government did this. So 
it's not completely crazy for people who, you know, I don't trust the government. It's like, yeah, okay, I understand. <laughs> but the problem, the problem with that and the COVID stuff is it wasn't just the government telling you this stuff. Private universities were also also have virology departments and they're not run by the government. Yeah. And you know, hospitals, uh, medical foundations, they were all saying the same thing. And basically every medical expert was saying the same thing. You know, you had a few fringe people that were loudly going against the, the recommendations of all the other medical experts. And those were the people who were being propped up by the conspiracy communities. But the vast majority of medical experts were saying we need some sort of measures to fight against the spread of this disease. Right. But Dave Rubin's guest list was the, 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 the crazies, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So in essence, by the end of reading this, most people will be a little more libertarian perhaps. Because well, you do go into several yeah. other examples of that, about oh, how governments oh, have yes. been doing this. Oh, yes, yes, right. MK Ultra, CAA dosing citizen, U.S. citizens with LSD just to see what would happen. They actually set up in brothels. Um, you know, they had these Johns coming and they would dose them with LSD and then watch, film them having sex with prostitutes. Let's see what happens here. Right. It was all under this kind of larger plan that, uh, you know, you remember the missile gap. Well, this was the, the mind control gap. You know, the Chinese and the Russians and the North Koreans are ahead of us on mind control, uh, drugs. So we got to do experiments on this. So again, no congressional approval. People didn't know about it. President didn't even know about it. You know, this is just like rogue uh, uh, factions in the in the security state doing this. So when people talk about the deep state, there's people behind the scenes doing things. Well, historically, that has happened, right? That's just MK Ultra. That's just one. This you know this um, counterintelligence program, this uh, Co Intel Pro, uh, yeah. was yeah. another. You know, let's plant some people in these social justice groups like the Black Panthers, a AIM, the American Indian Movement feminist groups and so on and just to make them look bad or essentially create like a false flag operation you know let's do it send in one of our guys they'll do something really stupid and, and then 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 this will get on the show uh, on the in the covered in the media and then they'll look bad i mean this is like what our our government does this <laughs> yeah do, do you think it's odd that these things are not discussed more i mean you go into all of these things in the book but you know Fringe internet people talk about these things. Guys that run Skeptic Magazine talk about these things. <laughs> but, you know, in a time where we've what? the institution. What the fuck? There are like mainstream podcasts and, <clears throat> and um, like mainstream video series and documentaries that you can see about MKUltra and like the and COINTELPRO and all that. Like, what is he talking about? Yes, uh, you are correct. Uh, I really don't know what he means by that. I think he means yeah. not dwelling on it. Yeah, yeah. Or not using it as a reason to believe something else is true. Yeah. People would be wise to be a bit more skeptical about the information they're being fed. Yeah, you should be. Right, so I, I think of it as a signal detection problem. That is, the signals you're getting in versus the noise. You know, is it a real pattern or is it not? Okay, so we've talked about this a few times. Do you think he's using the big, nice microphone that's in front of his face? Or is he, is he just going through the mic on, his, on the cord of his earbuds? 
I don't know what I'm noticing about the sound actually is like when he starts talking, it's like loud and kind of overdriven and then it calms down. Yeah. Yeah. Do I you don't think know. that's like some sort of noise canceling in the earbuds. Maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We've talked about this. I've talked about this with a couple people that maybe having less than perfect audio sort of makes people think that they're on the call too, because they're used to zoom calls with people just using their laptop <laughs> computer. So they kind of, they kind of feel like they're talking to their friend or whatever. And it makes it more seem like more approachable or whatever. Whereas like really good audio, maybe, maybe it signals to people that this is overproduced, you know? But like, why have professional audio equipment in front of you? If you're just going to sound like trash anyway. Yeah. I don't know. It could be, it could, uh, yeah, it could also, someone in the chat is saying it could also be on Ruben's side where he's running some weird compressor. That could be true, yeah. ...theory that represents a real conspiracy. Is that true or not? And so my argument is that, well, we, it's probably better to err on the side of being trigger happy, like assume it's real when it's not, because that's a less costly mistake to make than miss the real conspiracy. Somebody in your company is conspiring to hold you down or some other company is conspiring against your company or, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't think that's always true. Like he's saying that like it's always true. But I think if, if you... Like, if you're weighing the risks of believing a conspiracy, it highly depends on the conspiracy. Right? Right. Like, it, it's... Like, I always bring up, like, Bigfoot or believing in aliens, and the, and the risks there are not, not very high, right? Like, the people that believe in Bigfoot and aliens and no other conspiracies, they're probably cool, right? <laughs> they're not, yeah. They're not, but if you believe that, like, your doctor is going to kill you if you go in and, and get your foot examined when your foot's all broken and bleeding, like that's that conspiracy belief is going to harm you right and so yeah it's it's case by case basis for sure just look at you know what the cia did in you know rigged election well the cia used to try to rig elections in south american countries to favor fascist dictators over communist dictators because they were friendlier to american business interests in those countries and you know and again this was all under the radar no one knew about it until you know decades later when it was exposed and uh, so that's that constructive conspiracism. You should it's be. Almost, it's almost as if things might be going on now that we don't know exactly what's happening. Uh, I have no doubt this is the There's case. There's a lot of things going on right now that Dave Rubin doesn't understand. Years, somebody does a Freedom of Information <laughs> Act uh, you know, FOIA request and finds out, oh my God, in 2022, you know what the CDC or whoever was up to? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you think uh, social media or how do you think social media plays a part in all of this? You know, one of the things uh, just in terms of the way the Internet's structured that I always think about is I remember the Internet when it started or, you know, started on basic AOL or Prodigy or something. It would be really oh, weird to think that the government problem. was was planning a deep state conspiracy to get us all to wash our hands. Right. Right. That's and it turned out that like washing your hands wasn't that important to stop the spread of covid but they were still giving good advice that you should regularly wash your hands <laughs> like yeah like, like even if that doesn't have any benefit against covid it's not hurting you <laughs> right it's it's good advice anyway <laughs> and you know the flu season during that the pandemic year was essentially non-existent because people were wearing masks they were washing their hands flu didn't spread it meaning you could scroll for a certain period of time then it would stop then we got infinite scroll so Mm -hmm. more and more and more kept coming if you're on twitter you can go more and more and more that rabbit hole 
uh, is endless now. And I think a lot of that probably also feeds a certain part of the brain that would lead people to some of these ideas. Yeah, it does. Uh, I mean, the history of conspiracism, there's always been conspiracy theories, nothing new there. But but the spread of them in real time and the depth that people could go, I talk about in the book of the JFK conspiracy theorists, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, they're just meeting in little hotel conference rooms with two dozen people and they have their little mimeograph newsletters yeah. that they mail out. You know. And so not very many people, you know, knew about this or were in, into it. Now you can reach, you know, millions of people instantly in real time. And so the spread is more rapid, the, the you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole, the, the siloing off of people into these um, uh, communities that it's hard to penetrate. Um, you know, that's, that's the harder part. Is it, do you think, also easier to debunk some of these things because of the speed of information, just as fast as it can spread, it can also be debunked that much more quickly? Yeah, uh, to me, that's the only solution is that nope. because I'm not in nope. favor of censorship. What's that saying? The fucking lie travels the earth before the truth ties its shoes. Is that the saying? Yep. <laughs> uh, the lie. Yeah, the lie travels the earth before the truth gets out of bed or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the thing is like Facebook is like they're their algorithm rewards things that make you angry. So like uh, a conspiracy theory is going to make you angry. A lie is going to make you angry, but like the truth about it is going to make you go, Oh, okay. And you're not going to share it. You're not going to share the truth. So the, the algorithm rewards things that cause people to, to share things and like things and comment on it. I'm so upset about this. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's in their business interest to do that. So that's, you know, easy enough to figure out. This is very, this is, this conversation is frustrating too, because like Dave Rubin is a peddler of conspiracy theories. Yep social media because they said the wrong thing this doesn't help for two reasons one you might be wrong and that guy that you just kicked off he might be right no one's omniscient how do you know you know uh john stewart mill you know it's it's like if he who knows only his own position doesn't even know that so mm -hmm. it's good to listen to these other people uh but and then second if you kick somebody off you cancel culture and so on then outsiders observing this will go i wonder if that guy has something to say and because they're making such a big deal about it, right? Banned in Boston. Ooh, I want to read those banned books. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, when someone like... I don't uh, believe this Joe either. either. Like Robert Malone. I think platforming someone who's spreading misinformation does more harm. You know, he's saying, like, uh, if, you, if you kick them off, that's more harmful than, than letting them speak and, and correcting them. And I just completely disagree with that. It's... <clears throat> It's also like there's a there's the the error I think he's making here is that the people prone to conspiratorial thinking are going to be the ones that are saying, oh, that person must know what's up if they got kicked off. Right. Because that in and of yeah. itself is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yep. To talk about um, vaccines and, and cardio issues, you know, everybody made a big stink about that. It's like, well, first of all, Joe's not 60 minutes where he has to have, you know, guests on each side or whatever. It's not what he does. You know that going in. But and wait, 60 minutes doesn't the fairness. What the fuck? The fairness doctrine like ended in the 80s or some shit. What is he talking about? <laughs> uh, 
remember a while ago when you said that uh he hadn't updated his views on whatever thing since like 2004 yeah okay fair enough yeah <laughs> and so but if you make a big deal about it now everyone wants to know well who is this robert malone guy and what is his argument because no one seems to debunk it they just say oh it was bad he had him on well okay what is the problem nobody seems to debunk it where Shermer on the joe rogan show yeah nobody goes on there to debunk it <laughs> of a course. lot of people offer joe rogan just doesn't accept <clears throat> and he the one person he had on was uh sanjay gupta but sanjay gupta seemed like very unprepared for the conspiratorial thinking that was going to be presented to him he didn't they you know they didn't have somebody from like science-based medicine or something on there who was who those people are not only you know subject matter experts but they're also like they study conspiracism and they debunk conspiracy theories on their website medical conspiracy theories primarily so like it's <clears throat> people did debunk we debunked robert malone's claim that he himself invented mrna we debunked it right on this show the chat did it it was late one night and chat was like uh he was on a team that did some research but it seems like these two people <laughs> are mostly responsible for the mrna vaccine technology that we uh, see coming out today and again that was probably wrong too because those two people were just heading up a team or two different teams that were working together probably hundreds of people thousands of people so yep somebody should say here's the argument and here's the response and, and, and what's what's so interesting about that is if you remember so he has Dr. Malone on, who had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, more patents on mRNA technology than anybody. I mean, it's not like this guy's a kook, right? He's but a he kook. Has him on, the media goes <laughs> crazy about it because he's talking about ivermectin and all of these things. And then you remember what happened about four days later, where suddenly we had a week of Joe Rogan saying the N-word, and should Joe Rogan be deplatformed off Spotify and everywhere else? And that, I think, led to led people to believe, you know, I don't even know that this is a conspiracy theory, but that there was some sort of coordinated attack by the corporate press on Rogan, like he was becoming too influential. Mm. So it behooved CNN to push these, oh, Joe Rogan's a racist stories because he's- But it wasn't CNN doing that. It was conspiracy researchers that were trying to take him down with that stuff. It was people on Twitter, people on the dystopia beat. It wasn't CNN doing that. They may have brought it up because it was like bubbling up on Twitter, but they, there wasn't CNN doing that. And this is a conspiracy theory again. He's just positing a conspiracy <laughs> theory and Shermer's not, Shermer's not like, Hey, I think what you're positing is a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Isn't Shermer supposed to be the expert on conspiracy theories on this show? He's clearly not. I'm more of an expert, I think, on conspiracy theories. In oh, the yeah, but day. I mean on, on this episode of the Rubin Report. Yes, yes, he's the expert. I mean, I don't have all, I don't have the documents from Zucker <laughs> at CNN, but it feels like something that's kind of there. I suspect that's not a, a top-down conspiracy like we think of a conspiracy theory of, you know, the Illuminati or somebody power cigarette smoking people behind closed doors or calling the shots. And the reason I'm skeptical of most of those theories is because the, the world is too complex. There's too much randomness. There's too much chaos from the bottom up, and no one can control it. No one's in control. This is part of my my theory is that it, it's one thing to be a, a, a little afraid or anxious about. There's some cabal going on of 12 people called the Illuminati running the world. 
and doing a crappy job of it. Uh, but it's, it's quite another to think, actually, nobody's in control, right? There, the, the, no one can explain the economy, why wars break. I mean, I don't think Putin even knows if he's going to use tactical nukes or not, let alone Biden or our Defense Department. Or, I don't think anybody knows. It's just impossible to know. So Do you I think, view that as, is that scarier or more comforting if well, nobody's I, in control? I, I like it because I'm kind of libertarian in my personal attitudes and uh, it's okay with me. But people that prefer a structured hierarchical worldview that's predictable, they're, they're not. And they tend to be more conspiratorial in their thinking. A little more paranoid, a little more suspicious that there's things going on. And again, things do go on. So uh, how do you know? Well, my little test is, you know, the more people that have to be involved in the conspiracy, the less likely the theory is true. The more components that have to come together just at the right time in the right place, again, it's probably not likely if it, if, if a lot of things have to happen because, again, chance, chaos, uh, contingency, accidents, you know, people just don't do what they're supposed to do. You know, I, I remember that when my first book came out, I went on G. Gordon Liddy's radio show in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., Why People Believe Weird Things. So, and I discussed conspiracies a little bit in there, and he, he asked me about it, and I said, well, you're the expert. <laughs> you're Mr. Watergate. And he, he says, well, actually, most conspiracies are a bunch of baloney. Conspiracy theories are because people can't keep their mouth shut, and most people are incompetent. And, you know, so this is like 9-11 truth. You know, the Bush administration was in on 9-11. Let it happen on purpose, lie up, or made it happen on purpose, my up. Well, in fact, negative evidence, WikiLeaks, you know, millions of classified documents, not mm -hmm. one, not one document about 9-11, or we know they're coming, or we're going to let it happen, or, you know, planting explosive, nothing, right? So that tells me if, if it was an inside job, and these were classified documents, we would predict that there should be some leakage there. There isn't. Because most conspiracies, we do find out about them, right? Lincoln was assassinated by conspiracy. We knew within hours who did it. Same thing with Kennedy. I mean, Oswald was discovered within an hour. We, they had him at that theater. And so the, we find out about these things. But not one person wants to go on record about you know the fake moon landing or 9-11 as an inside job. or Not one. So that's very probably not true. What would you say about something like the the Hunter Biden laptop story, where you know New was York Kennedy's assassination a conspiracy? Though, like, do we know that? <clears throat> I think there were. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I don't remember if there were uh, other people helping helping him plan. I, I don't recall. Um, yeah, like we know we know who shot him, but I thought it was not known whether he was working with anyone else like speculated but not known so here here we're going to go with the hunter biden laptop story i i love this because i've asked people to explain it to me and no one can even explain the conspiracy theory to me that's why i know it's not russian propaganda russian propaganda is <laughs> done well <laughs> thought of as a reputable news organization they say this is true they you know they have their sources etc Big tech, Twitter particularly, comes in. You can't share these stories. You can't even share them through your own private messaging, your own direct messaging on our platform. Then other platforms start doing it as well. Of course, it all turns out to be legit, and there's a lot of pretty pretty bad stuff on there, some nasty stuff on there. Um, I no, think a lot it of did not turn out to be... It didn't all turn out to be legit. There were a lot of lies flying around about what was on hunter biden's laptop and it's also not really confirmed that it was actually his laptop 
it's confirmed that it was his data, but right. we don't know whether the data was actually recovered from a laptop or whether he just got hacked and someone released his data through this crazy laptop story. Right. Cause the version that I think is what a lot of people are saying is that for some unknown reason, Hunter Biden flew from Los Angeles to fucking New Hampshire or some shit and gave three laptops to a blind guy. <laughs> it's like, come on, dude. Like your, your dad's running for president. You have someone that handles your, your information technology. Even if you're Hunter Biden, like you have a guy or a girl or whatever, you know what I mean? You have someone. Yeah. And also if you're giving your laptop to someone and then they complete the work and they want to give your laptop back to you, you wouldn't just ghost them. Right. Like that's the official story from the guy. And it's like, that story doesn't make sense. So he just came in, gave you a laptop to work on. You worked on the laptop. Then you tried to get in touch with him and he ghosted you. So then you released all of the contents of the laptop to the media. I, I thought there were three of them in the story. I don't know. See that as a coordinate. I've only ever heard of one. That, that in essence, that thing was going to be damaging to Joe Biden. They wanted Joe Biden to be president. They wanted to be rid of Trump. We accept that big tech can just get in on this. Like, does that, is that a conspiracy or is yeah, that? Interesting. It, yeah. That's an interesting example. Cause here it, it would be a conspiracy in the traditional sense. If say the news networks called each other and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to run the story. Are you going to run the story? Uh, I won't run it if you won't run it. If that was shown, that would be a more traditional definition of a conspiracy. More likely is, is more of kind of a cultural shift or trend. We're all liberals. We want to protect our guy. And so we're just going to bury the story. You know, I'm going to do it and you're going to do it. We, it's kind of common knowledge. I don't have to call you up. You mm -hmm. just know that, you know, we're going to kind of work together to support our guy or criticize the other guy. That's more normal. That, that happens, I think, a lot. Uh, without the concerted top-down, you know, private phone calls kind of messaging to coordinate the effort. That, that would be my suspicion for that, for that one. You know, when, when Alex Jones was banned after, was he banned after Sandy Hook or was he banned after, or did yeah, no, it, it, it was, yeah, it was after Sandy Hook for sure. It, yeah. Well, I know it was after Sandy Hook. I don't remember if that was like the full impetus for it, but whenever he got banned by everybody within within a day or so. I actually had Teal, Peter Teal on my show the next day and I asked him privately, he, I, he has since said it publicly, I said, well, what do you think happened here? You know, did they all coordinate? And he said, I think you'll appreciate this. He said actually what he thought was, well, you know, once one of them did it, once Twitter, I think Twitter did it first, then it, it was just the signal to everybody else, just just go ahead and do it. Like now right, we, the right. era, we took the hit, we did it. So it's not- My take on this, by the way, is that Twitter only did it when Alex Jones start like when Jack Dorsey was going to speak to Congress, Alex Jones harassed Jack Dorsey in person. And then all of a sudden, not long after that, Twitter banned Alex Jones. Hmm. So, you know, it's like when your chickens, you know, these, these are just human beings that run these places. And the, like, <clears throat> you know, if this guy's harassing the, the head of your company at a, when he has to go, uh, to testify for Congress. I mean, if you were had a, had a mind to ban him anyway, because of his other behavior, then that's just the straw that breaks the camel's back, you know? 
Uh, I thought YouTube banned Alex Jones first. I don't remember. I I think I think it was probably Apple Podcasts that banned him first. Hmm. But I don't I don't remember. I don't recall. But I I just know that very very shortly after Alex Jones harassed Jack Dorsey in person in Washington D.C., he got kicked off of Twitter. Coordinated phone call right. conspiracy that you're talking about, but it is it, it's some other level related to fear and and manipulation and how we all operate, I suppose. But it's, regarding the laptop story, I think a lot of these companies probably didn't want to get blamed for like swinging the election with misinformation. Right, because and not for nothing, the version of the story that came out in the post was the version with the hunter biden flying to this guy and giving him the lap physical laptops and i don't think that happened yeah i'm i'm not sure that that happened either it's a pretty far-fetched story and there's not a whole lot of evidence to support it again you just if you're that kind of if you if you're from that kind of a powerful family and your pops is running for president you don't just drop your your electronics off at a laptop repair shop you just don't no you there are people in in like family friends maybe that you've known forever who handle your your electronics um his laptop would probably be encrypted <laughs> right like yeah for doping or some you know horrible thing they did and nike drops them and then within an hour everybody else drops him yeah now i don't think nike called any of the other companies that you got to drop the guy they all look around and go well we better go well you know what everybody the big guy's doing and and show our support for or a criticism of this athlete or whatever it is what so uh, part two of the the way you lay out the book is how to determine which conspiracies are real so we're we're sort of bouncing around a lot of that in the in the political sense what about in just and let's get away from politics for a second just every other sense there's aliens and area mm. 51 and mm. all, all the other stuff that we're all how do you figure out what's real you know somebody visited you at night and they poke they're always pronging people and all that stuff <laughs> yeah right so some of the criteria i mentioned already you know how many people have to be involved uh, how many elements have to come together just the right uh Moment, how typical, how conspiracies really unfold. I went into detail in that chapter on what triggered the First World War, which was a group of Serbian nationalists called the Black Hand who conspired to assassinate uh, uh, Franz Ferdinand, the heir apparent of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, who was leaning on Serbia to control them and so on. So this was a cabal for sure. They met in secret. They plotted for months. You know, each of the seven guys had to go to a certain house and give the code word, and then they get the weapon, a pistol or a hand grenade, and so on. And and uh, you know, one guy didn't. He went to the wrong house. Another guy chickened out. Somebody else, you know, got the weapon but went to the wrong place on the parade route where he's supposed to stand. And then finally, some guy actually was able to pull the pin on the grenade and throw it, but it bounced off the the, the archduke's back of his car rolled under the car behind him and blew up there and so these people got hurt oh no and then the car zooms off and he goes off to his little meeting gives a speech says thanks a lot i come here to to sarajevo and you guys throw bombs at me <laughs> and then and then he leaves and then said hey we better go back to the hospital and check on our comrades so the driver goes back down the same road that they were at and he turns right on the alpel quay the main uh, drag there where the cons the last conspirator this gabriel uh, princeship was sitting there despondent, eating a sandwich from this deli, and he's got his pistol in his pocket. And he's like, well, that was a big fuck-up. Nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, here comes the car. 
and the car makes a wrong turn and there was no reverse in it. So the driver puts it in neutral and just backs up at like one mile an hour right in front of this Gavriel Pritchett. He's like, oh, my God, bam, dead. That's how these things normally go. Right. You know, I mean, Nixon with the with the, you know, the G men and the FBI couldn't even break into the Democratic Hotel at Watergate. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, again, if 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 those guys can't do it. And it, by my example, that's how things usually go. The more complex it has to be, the less likely uh, the theory is true. 9-11 truth, impossible. I mean, you'd, first of all, you'd have to have hundreds of people involved to break through the drywall of the World Trade Center building uh, rooms to get into the structural beams and wrap them in these explosive devices, you know, which is how it's done. You know, they, they abandoned uh, buildings that they demolished. They have to break them apart and put the explosive devices in there. Nobody saw that. How did you know? Oh, they operated under the pretense of being elevator repair. It's like, I mean, now you're just hand waving. You know, it's just crazy. And not one. It would be a lot easier just to fly a plane into say, the building. I yeah. knew somebody. I was dating this guy, and he told me all about the 9/11. Oh my God, I got to have a book. I have a book out about. You know, nobody, you know, has come forth. Very, very unlikely. As opposed to 19 members of Al Qaeda with box cutters. See, so so there's kind of a disparate effect between cause and effect. You know. The bigger the effect, the bigger the cause to match it, or else we, you know, it just doesn't feel right. So you get, you know, JFK. I mean, people also like regarding that conspiracy theory. People also don't really think about like, you know, nowadays it's a much harder to get into a cockpit, and b like no one would would allow you in there. You know, if you were high, if you were trying to hijack a plane, like you would get. You would not be allowed in there, but like at the time, it's like, oh no, a dangerous person. They're trying to get into the plane. Let's just let them take the plane so they can do whatever they want. They'll get their money. They'll get their, you know, whatever. And we can, we can go. No one was really thinking like these people are going to fly us into a building. Right. And not for nothing. I mean, I remember being a kid and like on a plane while the plane was flying, I got to take a look at the cockpit. I mean, the security was just much lower pre nine eleven. I think a lot of people kind of forget that airport security yep. wasn't what it is now. Yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald, a lone nut that doesn't feel right. So you had KGB and the FBI and the Russians and the Cubans and the mafia. And now it feels better. Princess Diana, cause of death, drunk driving, speeding, no seatbelt. Tens of thousands of people die like that every year, but princesses are not supposed to die like that, right? So it's got to be the MI6 and the royal family and Prince Charles and blah, whoever, you know, is supposed to be in on this. And I think there, there's a, an effect like that. Like, there's no way Al-Qaeda could have done that. That's the actually the only way that could happen. Just somebody in the nooks and crannies of a free society that no one notices, th- that's how you get away with stuff. You know, it's funny because you can also see how through pop culture some of this stuff leaks in. I mean, obviously the movie JFK was absolutely massive and I'm sure you, well, I have no doubt that you don't agree with the conclusions that Oliver Stone was putting forth in the movie. But even uh, I was watching The Crown on Netflix a year or so ago and in the last season where there's a lot about Princess Di, uh, you know, in essence, you're watching the thing and you're kind of like, yeah, it seems like they wanted to kill her, and <laughs> and you know then she ends up dead. So it yeah. just sort of just sits there, and and you could ruminate about all of these things. Of course, that's a hindsight bias. You know, every, tons of people hated Obama, but he was assassinated. So end of story. No one's talking about what, what, what happened to those people. Why didn't they kill him? 
<laughs> well, it's hard to kill a president, right? <laughs> Plenty of people off. would have been glad to take out Donald Trump. You know, Michael, I'm reminded of a couple of years ago, we've told this story once or twice publicly, but uh, we were at Arizona, I think we were at Arizona State oh, right. University, if I'm not mistaken. We're doing a talk on free speech. And I, at the top of the show, I say to the audience, I don't know, a couple hundred kids there, I say, you know, how many Democrats, how many Republicans, how many Libertarians? And then I said, how many Nazis? Just to get a laugh. And one person stood up in the back and said that they were a Nazi. And I think you said, hey, you know, if you just wait to the end, we'll, we'll take your question first and that'll be interesting and let's see what happens. So that we end our, our talk and then we take the question from the Nazi and the Nazi had all these conspiracy theories about the Holocaust and the gas chambers and all of this stuff. I should also mention, it turned out that the Holocaust denier was also trans, which is just sort of an interesting detail, I suppose. Uh, but what you did, I thought was really beautiful because- But, you, but trans people can be wrong too. Like that's not a- Yeah, like what, where's, what's he getting at with that? Just flat out uh, explained why the conspiracy theory was not a conspiracy at all. Right. And to me, that's the way to handle these kinds of things. I mean, if you tell them to shut up or sit down or, or silence them or kick them out, then onlookers are going to go, well, what's the story with that? What, what's the problem with that? Yeah, the onlookers are going to be yeah. like, oh, you kick the Nazi out of your event. They must be on to something. What the fuck? <laughs> Come on, dude. Point you got to address the argument, which I did in my book on that. And, and you'd and, been the, you'd been to the concentration camps, right? You'd yes, been to Poland yes. where you can you explain a little bit about that? Just uh, just to sort of. Oh, well, so, yeah, Holocaust denial or revisionism, whatever you want to call it. They're, they're, they're not saying, they're not claiming that no Jews were, were killed or died. They're just downgrading. From Some of them are, million, yes. Maybe 500,000. So it's, so it's a clever strategy because no matter what photos you show, like here's bodies stacked like cordwood at this concentration camp, how do you explain that? Oh, that's part of the half million I'm willing to admit died of disease and starvation and overwork and so on. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, what about these gas chambers? Oh, those were used for delousing clothing. Okay, well, what's the difference between a delousing chamber and a homicidal gas chamber? There is a difference, but you have to know something about that, right? So it does require some knowledge. Uh, like, could you, could you explain how, why the flat earthers are wrong? Could you explain why creationists are wrong? Holocaust deniers are wrong, whatever. So you have to, so that's kind of what we specialize in It's skeptic. You know, what, what are the best arguments the 9-11 truthers actually have? And what are, what's your response? How do uh, controlled demolition buildings fall? Do they fall from the top down or the bottom up? It's the bottom up, the opposite of what we saw in the videos. Okay. So, but you have to know that kind of a little bit of detailed arcane knowledge. And so I did that with the Holocaust and, and, you know, it's harder to prove intention, but there's enough memos from Hitler, Himmler, Git Goebbels, and so on, that indicate they, they after 1941, they intended to exterminate European Jewry. It was not just an accidental byproduct of the war. And um, and then finally, that the gas chambers were used, well, there's six death camps. Um, here's another trick that the revisionists use. Well, right after the war, they said there were 21 death camps. Now they say there's only six. The ever-diminishing death camps, pretty soon it'll be zero. No, this is how history normally works, right? You have the kind of real-time reporting by journalists, and then the first round of, of books after an event or a war, then the second round, and so on. That's when you get more information. You change your mind, right? So, okay, it's six. And you but go wait, there. That's, so that's good <clears throat> In in this case, but bad when the CDC does it when there's a pandemic. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> well, that's well, that's interesting. And you can measure the uh, Zyklon blue, blue staining on the bricks at Maidonic, for example, and see. Well, that was the chamber where they killed people. It's very different from the ones where they deloused clothing. 
And you just kind of go through all that. Now, when somebody at this point says, I still think the Jews, uh, you know, are up to no good. Like, all right. So now you want to talk about the Jews and not the Holocaust. right? So you have to kind of bore down to see what the deeper motive is, you know, like like with QAnon or Pizzagate. You know, there's no possible way somebody could really believe that, except that one guy, Edgar Welch, who went there with a gun to that comment. Wait, what do you mean there's no way that people literally, it spread like wildfire on the internet because people believed it? Yes, many people actually believe that. Most people say they believe it. They mean something else. Like, I don't like Democrats. I don't trust that Hillary. I think this guy's a conspiracist denier. Such that if I took you to the pizza gate, the pizza place and showed you there's no pedophile ring, here's not even a basement. He's got a conspiracy conspiracy that conspiracy theorists aren't actually conspiracy believers. Vote for Hillary. (laughs) You were never going to vote for Hillary, so... Right. And I remember after that incident at Arizona State, when, when we were all breaking up, I think you started, you continued to talk to the, to the woman. And in essence, I asked you after, well, do you think you convinced her of anything? And, and you basically were like, no, that's, that's not really how it works because, because the deprogramming, no matter how much you offer, in some ways is almost impossible to get to. Which that's I think right. is sort of what part that's three right. of the book is about. That's right. Yeah. All you can do is plant a seed of doubt. Like, how did you get that? idea where did it come from what was the source what's the quality of the evidence how do you know that's true versus some other hypothesis what it would take to change your mind and so on it's like cult deprogramming back in the 90s they were you know doing this you know kidnapping the person from the cult and locking them up in a hotel room and showing them videos or whatever it didn't work because that's not how it works you know the people no one joins a cult they join a group that they think is a good thing Right. And then, you know, months or years later, they're down the rabbit hole and they they didn't even realize how extreme they got. So it's not going to happen overnight. You just have to plant a little seed like, huh, interesting. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I did wonder, though, I have the I call the the Columbo thing. I I have just one more question. (laughs) You know, the detective Columbo. Yeah. Okay. Just I'm about to leave, but I just thought of one more thing I was going to ask you. And you have to wear a a brown trench coat when (laughs) you're doing that or a tan (laughs) trench coat. Turn around and say it. Right. I'm curious, do you have a certain degree of sympathy as you're writing a book like this, a certain degree of sympathy for the people that fall into these traps? Because, you know, if you look again, if we bring it back to the news, if you look at the, the way the mainstream media for a year said that Brett Kavanaugh is a serial rapist. Turned that out wasn't the claim. Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. Turned out not to be true. Uh, Jesse Smollett was going to be lynched or got attacked by those two guys. Turned out he hired them. Uh, Donald Trump, very fine people on both sides. Yes, the sentence after was, um, you know, I, I completely condemn white supremacists. All of these things that lead, that, I think, that wasn't a the sentence. good people to perhaps come to wrong conclusions. But actually, I'm not even going to say that always. I think in some ways they then come to the right conclusion. But I, but I always say I have sympathy for the people that are just like, yeah, these people are lying to us about so much. Mm-hmm. What else do you expect from us? Yeah, exactly. So that's why, the you know, journalism has to st- uh, stick to this strict ethic of fact-checking and double fact-checking and multiple sources and so on, and they don't do that if, if it fits a particular narrative. Of course, we're, we're highlighting the, the big sp- stories they got wrong. Most of the stories they get right that are not that big or important. Uh, we uh, fly under the radar. So the actual them. quote is, you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group there were people in that rally, and I looked the night before. If you look, there were people protesting very quietly the taking down of the statue of Robert E. Lee. I'm sure in that group there were some bad ones. The following day, it looked like they had some rough, bad people, neo-Nazis, white nationalists, 
whoever you want to call them, but you had a lot of people in that group that were there to innocently protest and very legally protest. <clears throat> well, that sounds like Donald Trump. <laughs> so, so most journalists, most of the time, are just doing their job. <laughs> Whatever uh, you want to call them. It's in particular, if it fits a narrative of your department, then you probably should ask for another source or maybe let's wait a day. But, you know, the, the, the economic model is you, you can't wait a day, right? We got to get this out before the other blogger gets it out or the other network, right? So, um, yeah. And again, you know, you, you toggle between the, the three major networks on the news every night, which I do. Uh, it seems like there's a script. They all, the same stories, yeah, it's like the yeah. same order. And I'm I'm pretty sure they don't call each other. Go well, okay. I'm going to cover this one first. Which you know, which order are you going to put it? It's just how the the system works. And I just you know, I wish it was different, or you know, there was just more subtlety or more I don't know, caution, skepticism. Michael, can you stick around for a one more thing for my locals community? Oh yeah, I want to sure. I want to yeah, specifically yeah. ask you about my favorite conspiracy theory. We'll do that on locals. Uh, but the book is is it the one that he believes? Belief, <laughs> yeah, irrational. he's paywalling some more of the com the conversation, and I mean that's fine. Whatever we paywall the 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 post game, although you know we don't really paywall it. Somebody could be like, "Can I have that MP3?" <laughs> I'd be like, "Give me five dollars." No, I'm just kidding. I'd be like, "Yeah, here's the link." <clears throat> so. I think we've watched a little more of Shermer, I think, this year than we generally have. And it, it seems to me that his view on conspiracism, conspiracy movements is just very outdated. And it doesn't it doesn't really track with what we see um, in conspiracism and conspiracy movements as we cover them. They, they like completely yeah. left out, uh, like completely devoid of the. The, the community aspect of it just the analysis just completely lacks that part he brought yeah. up cults a little bit but it, he didn't he didn't there it was just completely devoid of the the idea that what happens is you get into a facebook group with twenty two thousand people who all believe in chemtrails right and you're like damn that's a lot of people and they're all being they're all really smart and they you know they're smart because they agree with me well twenty two thousand people isn't really that many fucking people like think about how many people are on facebook right Mm -hmm. I would not be unhappy if our viewer count was 22,000 instead of 71 right now, but uh, like it <laughs> still doesn't mean that most people are watching our show. And I think that, you know, people get into those communities, get into those groups and they, they, they get this idea that it's bigger than it is because there's, they see a, a big number of people in the group and they gain community there. You know, a Madison star moon that we've covered at length is a great example of this because she always talks about all the people in that community as her friends. And some of the most epic meltdowns she ever had was when she thought that some of the people in those communities had slighted her in some way. And at that point, it was no longer about environmental activism, but it was about a community and about gossip and about, about interpersonal relationships. And that's what these, not just conspiracy communities, but like the the IDW kind of gives that to the followers too. They're not telling them that they're in on the big secret. There's like, you're so smart because you're watching this content and you know, they, they probably don't want to get into the analysis of the group dynamics there because then they might be telling on themselves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was really surprised too. When he, he said that he doesn't think that 
conspiracy theorists actually believe the conspiracies. So, and that would have been a good enough time for him to bring up the community aspect, you know, that once you get into these communities, you're going to maybe pretend to believe conspiracy theories that you don't because that's what your community is doing. I don't think it's pretend. I think it's to a certain extent, you might be convincing yourself Right. You know, when you've when you've been exposed to a lot of contradictory evidence at some point, you kind of do have to just convince yourself. Uh, But that doesn't mean that you don't believe in the conspiracy. That just means you had some cognitive dissonance and you need to, like, work through that to get back to your conspiratorial conspiratorial thinking. Yeah. I just, which is what most people do. Very few people break out of it when they have that cognitive dissonance. Um, yeah, and maybe, maybe, maybe I'll end on this. It's unfortunate, I think, that in the last, let's say, since maybe 2015, that the people really going after the conspiracy communities have all been leftists, right? The QAnon Anonymous guys are all leftists. Jared Holt is a leftist. Like we're leftists. Um. And it, it sort of made it so that it becomes a kind of partisan issue where, you know, fucking QAnon being fake is not partisan. It's bullshit. It's just that the people who were motivated to go after it tended to be leftists because the, it was a far right conspiracy theory about people on the left. And it's, it makes it sort of easier for people to end up in conspiracy communities. If they're like, well, the people who are saying this is a incorrect are all people on the other side. So why should I listen to them? And somebody like Shermer could have done like just a so much better job during these last few years. Cause he's you know, like a center, right kind of guy, like a libertarian kind of guy. Right. And so, but they didn't, they didn't do an ep, uh, 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 QAnon issue of skeptic until like 2021 and it's like that should have been like as soon as that dropped and got popular it should have been like fertile ground for that magazine and they didn't they may have mentioned it but they didn't they didn't throw it on the cover until it had basically already run its course and it's just you know it's this it's a thing we talk about it's this you know elevator gate how it put kind of a rift in the skeptic community left, right, sort of. And I think that, I think that that's bad. And I think that a lot of people in the skeptic community, as they became partisan, uh, did a disservice to just debunking more broadly, but to, to like skeptical communities kind of more specifically. And it just left a hole and, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge that. I don't begrudge any leftist who spent their time debunking, conspiracy theories you know we call it's a the the beat it's like the dystopia beat like we're and it it just sucks that uh the more moderate and even like conservative people who called themselves skeptics or tried to you know brand themselves uh, with critical thinking just kind of fell asleep at the wheel like basically after like basically after gamergate once fucking pizzagate dropped those people were all asleep at the wheel and just made it seem partisan and that's fucking bad yeah uh i think the the media ecosystem on the right 
in particular, you know, to a certain extent on the left, but much more so on the right, uh, kind of feeds on those conspiracy theories though. So I think even if someone were, you know, trying to, to get out there and debunk them, uh, those kind of media ecosystems don't reward that. Yeah. But I just think that, like I said, the, 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 that example of skeptic magazine, not even not putting a cue on the cover of their fucking magazine until like 2021 is just like the most glaring example. I, it's yeah. stunning. It's stunning to me. It was stunning to me. And then, um, if you remember a very early episode, Brett Weinstein referred to QAnon as an argument. <laughs> you <laughs> yep. recall. So it's like, yep. And you know, the, he tried very hard to not say conspiracy, conspiracy theory, or just bat shit, bat shittery or whatever. So it just, yeah, it just sucks. And you know, that's the way that it goes, but shout out to everybody who did the work. It's hard work. It's, um, covering conspiracism is probably bad for your mental health. Um, and it makes it hard for you to talk to regular people at a dinner party because your your brain is polluted with fucking whatever's coming out of the back of a jet and you know it's just it's just bad news but everybody thanks so much for listening again to the intellectual dollar tree thanks justin for the raid earlier that's tig tig work thank you for following um if you're listening to the podcast we have a love a lively community that hangs out in the chat during and you might want to check out the show on youtube you can kind of see what the chat is talking about during the show this is Boomers by Periscope. I gots to get a drink and change the color of the light in this room. And we're going to do more things about more insufferable people when we get back. <laughs>
Echoplex Media streams seven days a week on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. With a variety of hosts and topics, there's bound to be something you'll like or hate so much you can't stop watching it. All times are Pacific. Check out our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.